Enter now the age of apocalypse, Shuga, with your hosts, Day Spring and Scott Free. Xavier is dead. Apocalypse reigns. This is the age of apocalypse. Welcome to Power of X-Men, Apocalypse. The podcast where we review every single issue of the classic, reality-warping, high-octane, epic X-Men crossover event known as Age of Apocalypse. I'm Jean Grey, who's not really Jean Grey, because she's Rachel. And I am the last surviving human stored down in my bunker reading comics on a binge, Justin. And I am your mainstay co-host. The baby Madeline Pryor didn't want to sacrifice during Inferno. Dayspring. And I am the only elf gayer than North Star, Mr. Scott Free. (laughs) (laughs) And folks, you just heard the voices of two of our favorite individuals ever. Our guests today are the hosts of one of our favorite podcasts. It's about every ex-fan who wants to get their partner in on the ex-conversation. They dive deep into the Krokoan age on their show, as well as classic ex-stories like Dark Phoenix and Age of Apocalypse. They've done character breakdowns of Madeline Pryor and Magic and hosted interviews with Ben Percy and Eric and Julia Leibold. Their tagline is one man's elaborate scheme to get his wife into X-Men comics. Dot, dot, dot. That's working. Please welcome our dear friends, Justin and Alicia. Hey, hey. Hey. Hi. How are you guys doing today? Great. Ready. Excited for comics. Excited for the high octane experience that is. (laughs) (laughs) Even if I wasn't ready, Justin is. So. You know, speaking of high octane and like an amazing experience, your interview with Ben Percy. What the fuck? Like mm-hmm. that was such a wonderful interview. It was so much fun. Thank you. That I, was the best day ever. I surprised Alicia. I was like, um, via text. And she's like, um, what, what? Like what? immediately was responding. I was like, when are we going to interview Ben Percy? And she dropped to the floor. I like <laughs> le- legit was like walking in the house and like just sat on the floor. And I was like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> what, whenever you want, whenever he's available today, today like, like I don't right now, like, what immediately. <laughs> I was reading a book, uh, saviors in the time of sharks or sharks in time of saviors and like i was like i want to do something non-x-men-y so i'm going to read an actual like novel and i flipped it to see who gave the blurbs and it was fucking ben percy (laughs) and i was like i can never get away from the x-men this is where i reveal my secret shame that i can't actually read uh no (laughs) yeah generally i find with like if you read like sci-fi or fantasy or something you will come across like like you cross streams but if I'm reading some like history or something, I'm not expecting like Leo Williams to pop up in like a book about like World War II. Usually. <laughs> so. Oh my god, I would love to see World War II as told by Leo Williams. So much character work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot going on. You guys talked about Age of Apocalypse on your podcast, and you you mentioned the very interesting thing that the Lee Waltz, you know, had come up with that idea initially. And it's sort of translated into Marvel editorial, because I believe, if I remember correctly from their book, they talked about how for season three, um, they went in and they pitched all these episodes. And one of them was One Man's Worth, which we will be discussing on the podcast with them. 
And they, they, they were telling us that like editorial loved it so much that they ran with that idea and that they brought it to books. But sidebar, interesting enough, we have an unaired interview with Scott Lobdell where Scott Lobdell got furious hearing that being like, no, we came up with Age of Apocalypse. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, you and- look at the timeline, though. I don't know, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Scott Lobdell. Sorry. Yeah. So, but um, <sighs> you guys discussed it. And you guys, if, if I remember correctly... You guys really enjoyed that issue of X-Men Alpha you guys discussed. And Alicia, you were raving about the art. Yes, I love it. I love the art. I love all the looks. Like everyone's outfits in Age of Apocalypse is like, for me, I want them all. I will cosplay every single one of them when I find like seven extra days in a week and like a million dollars. (laughs) And then I can just make nothing but costumes. But yeah. I, I like that it's very different. It's like has its own vibe. You know, I think that that's one of the reasons why I like New Mutant so much because it has its own identity. So then this had its own identity as well. And that was still pretty early on into her knowing classic continuity and experiencing mm. some of those earlier stories throughout her, her part of her ex-ed, as I call it. <laughs> um, and that just gives you so much more to play with, but also strikes true to a lot of the characters dynamics and and who they are beyond just what they've done in other stories. And I think that that really makes it stick out. Yeah. I remember the first time I got to know you, Alicia, you had your big Hawksbox board and I was like, who is this person? Like, <laughs> who is this person with her like huge ass dry erase board connecting things that I'm just like, uh, I didn't think of that. And that's why we wanted you for The Chosen, Amazing. which is like a dossier of all of the X characters in the Age of Apocalypse. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize that I would be connecting to something uh, deeper within her when when introducing X-Men characters and continuity that she would just go off and try to make sense of it all on a board. And- it's, it's really um, questionable that you didn't know this because my. Before before comics were my like, I guess, guilty pleasure is what you could say, like crime dramas were mm-hmm. so yeah, but I, I've never I've never seen you actively participate in the crime <laughs> drama. You know, you don't you don't make a murder board for SVU. I, I walked into this room and you yeah, were just poured over the books and note cards and just shouting. It doesn't make sense. The timeline doesn't add up. It doesn't. And it's infuriating. But yeah, I, <laughs> I, mean, I, lo- I love to solve the problems, love to solve the mystery. What was it? What was um Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen like when they were kids and they had their their. I can't remember what they were called, but I know they said that they'll solve any crime by dinner time. And that show was my jam. Okay. First of all, you're talking about the Olsen twins on this podcast. Like <laughs> before I loved Elizabeth Olsen, AKA Wanda in the MCU, I was obsessed with the Olsen twins. So was I. And Everybody peak was. Olsen twin love for me was their shady involvement in Heath Ledger's death that <gasps> no one talks about. Literally Heath Ledger's like maid called Mary Kate before she called the cops. Oh my like, gosh. Like this it is, is everything. We're going to have to hear this whole story one day. I'm going to need to know all of that. I know. You're going to need a whiteboard for that. <laughs> yeah. I'm need a separate room. Cold case, call Alicia. Call Alicia. But wait, for, for Age of Apocalypse and all the looks from cosplaying, my first question for you guys is, if you could pick one look to cosplay, 
which one would it be from Age of Apocalypse? A rogue. Yes. Oh my God. You would be an amazing, yes. Especially your hair. You have the rogue hair. You have AOA rogue hair. Yep. Yes. Yes. Rogue, 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 rogue in a heartbeat. Already thought about it. Already in my cosplay dream board. And I, that means I have to make Justin the Magneto. Though. Yes. Uh, honestly, that just that just gave me the clearance <laughs> to be like Magneto. Yeah, I would be Magneto. Give me those ponytails. Let's go. Give me, Give me that dope suit and helmet. And then it could double as a regular Magneto. And I'll use that all the time. Could also double as a Joseph. Yeah. Ooh. Stop Stop trying to make Joseph happen, Paul. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Scott has to listen to me weekly ranting about how much I love Joseph. It's all Joseph and Nate Gray all the way down. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like on the other end of the spectrum, like least favorite looks from the Age of Apocalypse. Oh, well. Havoc. I I mean. I like Havoc and I felt like his look is, it doesn't really do much for me in terms of connecting to his previous 616 look. It just kind of, and also I feel like he went off. Uh, off the deep end storm i i I forgot where we mentioned this scott but we talked about storm being like a lackluster look i mean for for age of apocalypse like i don't know it's 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 kind of generic post-apocalyptic like i don't really get storm from it i get like background character in thunderdome and (laughs) i mean it's it's a vibe but not a good one not for me I just like, and, and overall in Age of Apocalypse, I mean, I haven't read it in a couple of years, but I don't remember Storm playing a significant role. And, and she really should have. I mean, yeah. she, she's definitely robbed of good stories. Something the Leewalds have also mentioned to us, which they were like, if we could go back and do one thing on the series is give Storm a more prominent role instead of just not knowing what to do with her. Which mm-hmm. is interesting because I felt like she had some good moments throughout the show and, and definitely sticks out in my my knowledge of doing storm justice in terms of her power and just her character. But yeah, you're right about full story arcs or like an episode dedicated outside of like the Sauron stuff. And uh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, in general though, I was about to go all Miami in general, like she doesn't storm doesn't have major stories in the books. I mean, now it's starting to be a little different with her being soul regent. But the movies, it wasn't until like X3 that, you know, she had a more prominent role. And that's because Holly Berry was like, no. Yeah. Um, but like thinking about it, she doesn't have that much. And she's such a great character. Like she doesn't have a dark phoenix under her under mm. her belt when she should. Right? Yeah, she totally should. She has that scene with Forge where, you know, she drops to the floor. And she's like, I was going to say yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she also suffers from like the fact that some of her iconic moments are from like the outback era and some other not well received like periods of x history and that kind of screws her over and with the animated series she kind of gets reduced to a meme like people remember storm for like i will meet you at the monorail and um that sort of stuff and when I think about what Storm in the animated series, and I think I remember saying this to Justin when we were watching it, is that she constantly announces her powers. Yeah. She was like, and now I will make the storm. Summon the tempest winds. <laughs> I summon the full force of the hurricane. Yeah. And also uh, in the Dark Phoenix saga where she gets like whipped by, I'm forgetting that Shi'ar character, but she's like, ah, ah, ah. It's like so iconic, but... 
And even in, in like the Claremont run, really, she's just getting lusted over by everyone. It's just like yeah. Doom's in love with her. Dracula's in love with her. Most of the X-Men are in love with her, but they're like brother, sister. As they should be. And there was, I'm sorry. So she was reverted to a child. Yep. And then during the extinction agenda, she was just an adult again. And that was that ever explained? I have to reread that era again because I haven't read it since I was a kid. Well, she became a child after going through the Siege Perilous. Yeah. And then coming back, I think it was just because. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it was ever explicitly like this is why she's now an adult yeah. or I think it had to do with the Shadow King being defeated at the at that moment. And then it kind of just rebooted to X-Men number one. Hmm. Yeah. But Claremont's Gambit. Uh, mini yeah. that's coming soon has Storm as like a child, so he might mm. be doing that. Mm. Um, Which, yeah, when when they first met and like actually exploring some of that, I'm really excited yeah. about that. There was an interview with him talking about his initial plans for Gambit and his connections to Mister Sinister, and how there was going to be this whole longer story that never got played out, and makes me wish that it had because it sounded really interesting. Well, there were elements of that in X-Men The End when mm-hmm. it was you know, revealed that Gambit was the third Summers brother and was, I'm forgetting the particulars, either a clone of Sinister, you know, tied to Sinister. Yeah. And, and you can see, and I always thought that was true, that Gambit was the unspoken like fourth or fifth. What, how, how many Summers brothers do we have? You're now? a Summers brother and what? you're a Summers, <laughs> Summers brother. Yeah. Think five, like he would be fifth. Nobody else does. It's just, a, it's where he was raised, you know? <laughs> He comes out of the pod, he goes to the bayou, and that's how you get Gambit. <laughs> and then like we, Alicia keeps yeah. on thinking that Moira is the uh, another Summer's Moira brother. Moira's turned into a Summer's brother. The the wispy hair. She's got blonde, blonde, wispy hair and red sunglasses. I was like, she looks that's like Doug new, Ramsey. That's her new look. <laughs> yeah. She's the Summer's brother now. Yeah. Well, there's, there's what, like three and a half Summer's brothers now? Right, if right. you count Adam X. We do count Adam X here. <laughs> so, let, let, let me let me correct that it's always joseph nate gray and adam x like yeah, the, yeah. Tri- the trinity of horrible 90s characters oh my god the extreme trinity i'm not gonna stand for this blasphemy anymore wispy god. hair wait justin did you did you say who was your least favorite look i think it was havoc yeah oh you said i think havoc. it was havoc just because it's, it's so simple and it doesn't really do anything for me and i remember not liking his character in this arc um, and I generally like Havoc. You know, just it I, feels like it, it dialed up the my brother attitude of him and, and to an extreme that I was like, oh, I hate you. <laughs> um, well, we're going to dive into that because I got feels on Havoc. And I forgot that he had an affair with some random character named Scarlet, whom I don't know if editorially at the time was supposed to be a stand in for Scarlet, which I know she dies in X-Men, you know, Chronicles or whatever, but I think X-Men Chronicles came, was published after Age yeah. of Apocalypse was over. So I don't know. We can dive into those feels because I feel so bad for Havoc when you read his entry. And I was like, damn, Apocalypse is salty. <laughs> All right, guys, so we are reading The Age of Apocalypse, The Chosen, which follows the story of the Madri infiltrating Apocalypse's computer, you know, in his citadel in what was once North America. 
and finding out who has been chosen or forgotten in the age of apocalypse. This is basically just a dossier for readers to find out who's who in the age of apocalypse. And it's a fun little quippy read, which when we get to the end, we'll, we'll say what happens, but it's largely just character bios for these new characters. Kicking us off Magneto and Rogue. Once I believed Magneto and I would work together in the name of mutant destiny and mutant rule, he too saw the futility of entrusting the future of his planet to the genetically crippled. I know he believed that the gift of power granted us at birth was the only means of our survival, but he became soft, followed the dream of another, sought out comfort and the undying love of Rogue. Together, they have become the nurturing father and mother to the mutant rebellion against my sovereign rule. Now we find ourselves facing each other from opposite sides of a chessboard, each scrambling to gather up pawns to use against the other. My players are multitudinous and his are few, and yet the rebellion rages on. In the end, Magneto and I are destined to face one another. There shall be only one survivor. Chosen! I'm just going to say it. I fucking love Magneto and Rogue in yes. Age of Apocalypse. I love yeah. it. I, I am a huge stan of this relationship. Me too. Yeah, and I don't know if it was just because of what, what happened in the Savage Land, and they're like, <laughs> yeah, we really liked that, so let's just double down. It would have <laughs> happened anyway. Uh, so we'll take it further, and we get a baby and a nanny. Okay, but do you remember the speculation online, AOL keyword Marvel, when they're like, how could Rogue give birth to a baby without the baby being affected by her powers? Right. And there were so many, I mean, I think maybe the idea of a mutant collar, we know now is a little bit more accepted, but like, at the time, people were talking about how babies were being delivered and a carefully like delivered baby wouldn't have to make skin contact. I was like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Well, I, maybe I, it's outer skin versus inner skin. Yeah. Oh, very. Yeah. Mm, mm, and mm. there was <laughs> there's something about um, like Magneto says, I think in Alpha about his power being able to protect him from mm. her power and touch. And, and I don't know if like he just created a runway for the baby or, you know, yeah, the making <laughs> of the baby is more questionable. The making of the baby. I feel like I'm, I can excuse, you know, that's like, okay, they kiss, they make out, they hold hands. He's got something that helps them get there. Do but you the know delivery... how you make a baby? <laughs> it requires yeah, well, more there's, there's several more hands. steps after that. Sure. But you know, I'm not getting into that right now. I understand. You got to call up the stork and then. <laughs> <laughs> You got to call up Mr. Sinister to make you a baby. Yeah, right. You yeah. know, and he delivers it, but he programs it with a little bit of his own dirty sauce. And also, there's never been any like rogues powers. She she doesn't affect herself. So maybe because the baby is of her own DNA. Yeah. No, that's a very her. fair thing. You know, it, it's just such thing. a weird thing. To, I, it's funny, I'm trying, trying to put my, my mindset as a reader in the, the 90s when this was coming out, because in Legion Quest, Rogue you know, and Gambit, their relationship is very much about that they can't touch each other. Mm -hmm. And so that's a big thing at the end when the Emkron crystal is coming, she leans in and kisses him. And then obviously we know in X-Men Prime, he's in a coma once they come back from Age of Apocalypse. So this to be like, now Rogue and Magneto have a child. It's such a huge contrast in those relationships. Yeah. 
Yeah. And even to just connect that to some stuff in the current Krakoan era about you look at, I think it's Excalibur one, when her and Gambit are talking about having babies that make more mutants and how she just, she doesn't want to. And, mm-hmm. and she, and I don't know if that's just over time and, and just the, the troubles in this universe versus that universe, you know, it's like a, is it a, a duty to the age of apocalypse to make more mutants because we're, we're on the verge of extinction. I, I don't know. It's, no, it's just Magneto's hot and she couldn't resist. For real. Although poor baby Charles, who will eventually be killed off in Rick Remender's run. I forgot. How did he die again? Someone ate him? Did Blob eat him? Uh, yeah, isn't he? Is he eaten by Blob? Oh my God. I know Blob eats Nightcrawler's wife. I don't remember. <laughs> Hang on, I want to see. Let me blob, what's happening? Oh, in my brain for a second, I just got blob and glob confused. <laughs> and I was like, glob, you're such a good guy. Well, but- imagine if glob did it and you could like see yeah. the person going through. Or those pancakes he has is actually like baby Charles. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> yeah. The pancakes are people. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> wait. So he was crushed to death by demon Ock. So and he's probably yeah. eaten after the fact. And then he was eaten after the right, fact. Right, right. <laughs> but it was um, but no, I I love Magneto and Rogue together. When we had Lenore Zan on the podcast, I was like, who is uh Rogue's true love, Magneto or Gambit? And she's like, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. So I actually took that as her dropping a hint for X-Men 97 that we're gonna see a rogue and magneto relationship <gasps> unfold. Which I would love, but she could also have just like just been like, "Well, wait and see how it unfolds in the comics." <laughs> Honestly, that she... puts my heart in turmoil because I can't. I don't think I could choose which one is better for her. I like them both so very much. Right. I love Rogue and Gambit together, but I also just love Magneto, and you can do whatever you want, Magneto, and I'm okay. Yeah. yeah. I I love their looks, and I remember also Toy Biz released the lovers like two pack, but it wasn't Rogue and. Magneto is Rogue and Gambit. I know. And Rogue was a repaint of the Gen X Emma Frost. Crazy. (laughs) Which works because of the hair. But like... (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) I respect the ponytail. Like, it's it's a post-apocalyptic choice. (laughs) You know, like, how, how else are you supposed to know this is like... You know, it's different without like elaborate hair. So we don't have scissors, but we do have conditioner, so we can throw that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. I just picture like bottles of Pantene Pro being <laughs> conditioner, <laughs> and Magneto's just deep conditioning every morning because it's the apocalypse. You're it's worth the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the best X character in history, oh, X Man. <laughs> What a wonder of genetic perfection Sinister has created in this, the summation of the work he has been conducting in my name. He has chosen the perfect amalgamation of mutant DNA to create the most powerful being this world has ever known. Then why would my loyal vassal deem it fit to create this X-Man in secrecy of his laboratories. Could it be that this genetic progeny of Jean Grey and Scott Summers, this man, this man child (laughs) with unparalleled potential for strength is to be my assassin? Still, 
he is more child than man, rash in his actions and unsure of his great powers. It will not be without some regret that I destroy this one. Chosen. Okay, that was like even Apocalypse knows. He's forgotten. Oh, is he forgotten? He's, he's forgotten. Oh, okay. There you go. Forgotten. <laughs> okay, first of all. Chosen by you. He's got, he's got blinders on. You know, you, how could you forget X-Men? Okay. Listen, I am so thrilled. First of all, that was such a great intro. That's such a great paragraph. Like even fucking Apocalypse knows this is the best X-Men ever. So I'm sorry to I, you haters. I, I mean, more emphasis on man child. Like, <laughs> this, is, this is a man child. <laughs> but he's also like 17. So he's just a child, period. I mean, he's literally a man child. <laughs> um <laughs> also like like the look like what like what 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 is that like the the leather jacket the metal cod piece um <laughs> knee pads like, knee pads <laughs> i am so envious like this is still a look i strive to pull off i'm sorry it, and, it's badass and it's silver i like this so it, it's blue and silver and later on it will be blue and yellow yeah. i like the silver quite a bit i don't know why they switched it up editorially Probably to make him more cyclopsy. Fair. Now that's a very yeah. astute observation. I, I'm sorry. I think Nate Gray is like the best character. He is obviously, you know, the king of Age of Apocalypse. So uh, the ri- <laughs> ri- rider strong hair, as you always the like rider strong hair. Those wispy bangs. The wispy bangs. So interesting enough, he's not supposed to be Cable's counterpart because. Cable is the like offspring of Madeline Pryor and Cyclops. And here he's the genetic byproduct of Gene and Cyclops. So right. Marvel has made that distinction that he's not a counterpart to Cable. Which is kind of confusing because Madeline is, right. is a clone of Gene. So who would then hook up with Nate yeah. when he crosses over to the Age of Apocalypse. You're upsetting. You're upsetting her. She does not know that. <laughs> Did I just oh. spoil? <laughs> I just hate everything. But but here, it's not even that bad because it's a psychic reconstruction of Madeline. It's and just later, a psychic reconstruction of your mom's clone. It doesn't matter. It's not who weird. Who gets replaced later on by an evil gene from another universe. It's yeah. giving me Quicksilver Scarlet Witch romantic vibes and I don't like it. it. It's it's not as bad as Legion sleeping with his mother. It's not that's fair. That is <laughs> that's, that's but, fair. But it is still up there. It's not his actual mother, so <laughs> so it's okay. Okay. Yeah, we shout out to Jonathan from Mutant Musings, who me and him go back and forth on DMs of the Nate Maddie romance. But also, oh. I guess in this instance, Jean is not Jean. She's Rachel. So it's <laughs> oh. really like his sister. So it's fine. This is why we wanted you here today <laughs> for these theories. I don't know what it is with these like god you know god level children of powerful mutants lusting after their mothers um i don't know what what issues the editors were working out with this but between legion and nate gray um yeah pass yeah forgotten forgotten (laughs) forgetting (laughs) forgetting 
Well, uh, you do it enough times. Now it's a trope. You know, now it's a trope yeah, of X-Men. It's, yeah. it's a trope. Right. Um, we could go without somebody, it, though. Somebody checking on Proteus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Proteus crying at the memorial. Yeah. The Marauders. Well, next next up is uh, the man himself, Scott Summers, Cyclops. The favorite adopted son of Sinister, Scott Summers has been pampered from the first day his mutant gift appeared. He was reared by Sinister to be a leader, and that he is. Commander of an elite mutant force, as well as the overseer of the breeding pens, uh, Summers serves Sinister, in my name, with uncompromising loyalty. Or does he? Question mark. Uh, I sense in him a compassion towards the prisoners in his charge, which I find most distressing. For one, I see as a future horseman. There have been escapes from the pens. And while that is to be expected, I have doubts about this one. Doubts which will only be put to rest by carefully observing his every move. Only then will I be assured that his loyalty is not to the one who has raised him or to the genetically deficient that surround him, but to the one who has let him live. Dot, dot, dot. Me. It's it's dramatic. This this is probably my least favorite Scott Summers design of all time. Um, there's, there's a lot going on from the heavily armored arm to the then completely exposed arm to the (laughs) half shaved. Yeah. to the half shaved head, um, it's just, there's, there's a lot going on here. Uh, I get that Scott's going through some shit, but that is a look. Kind of makes him look like a horse. Oh yeah, with the yeah, the he does kind of mane, you know, yeah. like the mane. Yeah. Well, he has that like Iron Maiden '80s like punk mm. heavy metal like look. I I don't hate the Age of Apocalypse Cyclops look. I agree, it's not like my favorite, and I even think like in the Marvel Legends figure, it was like the least exciting one from that Sugarman wave. But I really, I I'm fine with it. I accept it as canon. Where is it? Here he is. Boom. It's so funny. He's also on our shelf right behind us. Yeah, I know. I love He's very Michael Bolton in that one. Oh, my God. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I was just listening to Michael Bolton on my subway ride home last night. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> tears in heaven as I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> on the subway my mom was like obsessed, obsessed with Michael Bolton when I was growing up. Like she used to like go watch him play baseball. Oh my God, I love like that. in person. Yeah, locally? like I have like vivid, vivid memories of like Polaroid oh. or like regular printed pictures of Michael Bolton playing baseball in Rhode Island. Why? I don't, I don't understand. know. <laughs> I don't know. I just I was young and Michael Bolton was on the radio every day. So there you go. That's what I got from Cyclops. Cyclops Michael <laughs> Bolton. I'm, you know, like he's him and Gene like just develop from what i remember just develop a romance towards the end of age of apocalypse and i was like oh man like that felt like they just needed to do that as opposed to like an organic part of the story because gene and 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 wolverine are together for a very large part of aoa and it's yeah the romance is interesting to see because as we discussed in cable 20 or will discuss it's going to air first but Gene says to to Cyclops, I wish we could have said goodbye to Logan. And she goes, oh, I'm so sorry I said that. And then Cyclops is like, no, I also miss a little runt. But (laughs) I mean that, first of all, A, foreshadowing the thruple, A. (laughs) But B, also like it showed like the mindset that Gene, that they were going to set this romance up, but only to have it at the end, like go back to Cyclops. 
I was in Age of Apocalypse, of course. I was like, yeah, this feels like a cop out, but yeah, I think Rachel is better with Logan anyway. <laughs> not Gene. <laughs> not Gene. What do you, uh, what do you think he's got in his pouches in AOA versus what he's got in his pouches in the six one six? Does it determine like is the environment <laughs> being a necessity of what you have to carry on you at all times? Uh, since he is childless in this timeline i'm gonna go with condoms because he does not carry them in the 616 universe <laughs> um you know hair clippers to, to keep that, that <laughs> to, to ignore <laughs> yeah to ignore um i don't know how you say it in english but we call them leguitas like to tie your hair back oh, like you know? a hair tie like, like a hair, hair tie. tie there you go hair, hair tie <laughs> Um, yeah. a, a, a single lens because he's a literal <laughs> cyclops. Yes, yeah. it's like a ruby quartz monocle. He has one yeah. of those like um, glasses cleaner things to wipe it down. Those little. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it, it is like a monocle, and if he's like really surprised, it'll yeah. just like pop out. <laughs> he's chosen. He's yeah. chosen. Oh, that's he right. Is. He is chosen. Our boy is chosen. Havoc. Everything about this one indicates that his potential is as great as, if not greater than, his brother Scott Summers. Instead, Alex allows envy to rule his emotions, hatred to govern his heart, and shows no restraint in the use of his powers. He seeks absolute approval from all quarters in order to escape the shadow of his older and more respected brother, and receives little, especially from his own kinsmen. This drives him to lord it over the pens with a ruthlessness which with he directs at all the prisoners. And yet there are rumors, most ironic indeed, that he has become enamored of one of the flat scans. He seeks to conceal it from all quarters and thus hides if from none. Ultimately, the passion and hatred which drive him will be his undoing. Forget this man. He's forgotten. He's forgotten. Oh, my God. Story of his life. That's the name of his memoir. Forgotten. Honestly, poor Havoc. I just feel like, why does everyone always hate him all the time? I don't. Just no, like the the writers. Uh, Like, why does he always have to be sad, sad boy Havoc? He had a good run there in Remender's Uncanny Avengers. Like, Mm -hmm. boyfriend had a minute there. And and then that's it. Then they did access, and we've been kind of confused by him since. Which I feel like the Uncanny Avengers, he was able to exist without any reference to Scott. You know, it was just mm. it was just him being him, so he could grow into some kind of identity of his own. Because before that, it was just hey, Scott's brother. He's he's kind of more Scott than Scott, and he's upset about it all the time. Yeah, and, and well, and now he's not even like the best crazy summers it's like he doesn't even have that going for him where it's just like vulcan vulcan is like more mentally unstable so it's like you're in the shadow of like both of your brothers for different reasons you're not stable and you're not unstable you're nothing and adam x has cooler hair so what is he even bringing to the table what does having got for him he doesn't he doesn't even have lorna oh well he has madeline now i mean well Oh, that's if, if you look at the background clips of uh, New Mutants, it looks like she dumped him like right after, <laughs> right after he campaigned for her resurrection. You know you're a problem if Madeline Pryor's like, uh, thanks, goodbye. She's <laughs> like sitting in the bar talking to Magic, and then she's like, you know what? Actually, 
I gotta go. <laughs> Not yeah. me, it's you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I, I gotta go find Nate Gray. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm- like, there are so many mutants. Why do y'all have to just keep it in your family? Like, explore other avenues i'm just i'm not tolerating this talk alicia i cannot believe this that you're saying that right now no i'm Addie so and sorry Nate for life okay l-y-f-e oh my god that definitely looks like look at his sad boy face in the yeah. background. Dumped. oh i forgot dumped. about that dumped I love that. Yeah, I I completely forgot that happened until this very moment. That's there's no mistaking that. Like she dumped him in that new mutants issue. That was and that was like his only character identity for a while. It's like, yeah, I blast. And also, can you please resurrect Madeline Pryor? I am here once again asking you to resurrect my brother's ex-wife so I can have someone. <laughs> and it but doesn't in- even get better for him in an alternate universe that apocalypse is running i want her to show up in x-men red with vulcan with no explanation (laughs) (laughs) leveled up yeah (laughs) leveled up yeah i in so he he has an affair with scarlet in age of apocalypse who is a character a human character in in is it heaven or haven angels club i'm sure we'll get to it i think it's haven is it haven and that's fine. I, I always thought that character was Wanda, but it's not obviously because, you know, she dies in X-Men Chronicles. But yeah, I mean, I just remember Havoc being very angry in Age of Apocalypse. And we'll, we shall see how that unfolds when we get to Factor X. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As much as I dislike him, I would like a Marvel Legends figure of Age of Apocalypse Havoc just because I feel like you need to complete the set. I agree. I agree. I would really, really like that as well. And other characters we'll get into. All right. Next one is Sinister. For 150 years, Nathaniel Essex has been my most loyal and trustworthy servant. (laughs) Okay. I have given the keys to my kingdom, dot, 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 the genetic reserves of an entire planet to him. He has been charged with rebuilding the world in my image daring to create the next generation of homo superior doomed to betray me how could it be any other way to him this duty was nothing more than an elaborate laboratory experiment he was content as long as the experiment continued and he was left alone to manipulate the evolutionary process but now that is time to separate the chaff from the wheat I find he has become too much the father of his own experiments, a father to children who, if they survived, are doomed to be orphaned. Status chosen. Um, he's very Cyclops. Cyclops, excuse me. Fucking Apocalypse has such like a huge floral use of the English language here. Like these things. Like I was trying to see who wrote this issue. And I saw all like the artist credits, but I don't know who wrote it. Yeah. Sinister. It, it, oh, and sinister. It, it feels very reminiscent of a lot of prose that Claremont would, you know, the quarters from all quarters and the chef from the wheat like that. You can see that in several instances. It's like those key lines that he uses at various times. Mm. So what I really like about this entry, though, is that it does go back to Legion Quest, where 
we see that Apocalypse awakens and he specifically mentions Sinister, where he's here like, oh, there's this battle in Israel. Like, I am now awakening 10 years before Sinister told me to enact my plan. So I like that they're respecting that continuity, that Sinister and Apocalypse have a history together. And obviously he would have ties to 616, Blink, and, um, and, and, and Sinister and Apocalypse relationships will be explored in the further adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix. Yeah. I really like Sinister here in Age of Apocalypse. I, I just feel like it it's him getting to be the most sinister. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Sinister is you know, living the dream. But also, you know, you almost want to identify a little with him that he is usurping Apocalypse's rule from within and uh, doing his own thing, having his own plan. Okay. The writer for this was Ronnie Lawler who I've never heard of. He only has one Marvel credit and it's this issue. We're going to hunt you down, Ronnie. You <laughs> did, did a hell of a job. <laughs> <laughs> Look out, Ronnie. We're coming for you. It could it could also be like a su- uh, pen name, pseudonym sometimes. Oh, they... you're right. Yeah. All right, I'm going to look up Ronnie here as we go into our next character. Well, you want to talk about, you know, jealousy of other characters, right? He's working under Apocalypse, trying to do his own thing. He sees Magneto and the amount of pigtails that Magneto has. And he's like, you know what? I can engineer even more. I can create so that I have multiple things dangling from my beautiful head. (laughs) I mean, listen, whoever's doing the hair in the Age of Apocalypse, wherever that salon is, is probably right next to Angel's Club. Like, I want a fucking appointment there. You know, no one can get an appointment. Because yeah, everyone has up. beautiful, everyone has beautiful hair in the age of apocalypse. It's, it's the eighties all year, <laughs> every year. But I do uh-huh. like this sinister. You know, I, I I've come to appreciate Krakow and Sinister being a little bit more quirky and theatrical. But I do like Sinister when he's just a diabolical mad scientist mm-hmm. and a creepy geneticist. I who who likes experiments. Like I I really like when they lean into that. And to piggyback off of every everything everyone has said. I really do like the fact that here he has no boundaries. He is literally just full fledged. Like he's living his best life. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. have a, I have a theory for the current comics that I want to say, cause I need, I need everybody to know that I thought it before. And I actually kind of like it. It's, okay. okay. So sinister is sinister. Dr. Stasis. We never have seen. He's sinister. He's a yes. version of Sinister. Yeah. Okay. That's my theory. So when it's correct, everybody, I said it. Okay. Alicia, said Alicia it. from the X Wife podcast, she said it first. That's and, what I think. And and just his mannerisms, his quirky, like it has he some has connection cape. to it. He's oh, always shrouded in mystery. There's a reason that we have not been revealed as to who he is. He's interested in collecting the bodies and experimenting on them. He makes I, chimeras. I'm looking at him right now, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. He, there's no way he cannot be sinister. So if he's not, I'll cry later, but he is, so it's fine. <laughs> he is until <laughs> they tell me he's not, so we good. Um, and speaking of Marvel Legends, though, we need uh, Marvel Legends Age of Apocalypse Sinister, like as Absolutely. a math or something like that. Like This yeah. is a figure that I'm shocked we haven't gotten. Yeah. There's, there's a handful. I, one of my questions for, for everybody was, if you could make a wave three, who would you have on it? Like, what's your lineup for wave three of Age of Apocalypse? And I feel like Havoc and Sinister are tops on that list. Havoc, Sinister. Um, we would definitely need a Stazzler with the Siggy, which Ooh. 100%. Storm is a must. Like, I can't Storm, believe they haven't yeah. given us Storm. 
Gambit. Um, Gambit. Yeah. North, like, North Star and Aurora with the trashy, oh, the- like, <laughs> uh, mullets. Yeah. It's, it, it, and, and Angel as well. I and want I Abyss. Do- oh, Abyss. Yes. And Lava Lamp. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lava Lamp Shadow King, I think, is really mm. important. I that's the thing that I want from the current Hasbro from a wave three is better accessories. Like I was able to get the Mcron Crystal Hero Clicks, which actually does fit really well oh, with nice. Marvel Legends. I don't know if you can see it. It's but like I'm gonna knock over Nate. But like, look at that. That's like perfect. Oh, that's right awesome. Right there, perfect size. And then I got the Toy Biz Lava Lamp Shadow King, and he also looks good, but he's a little dated. But um, yeah, I hope we get a wave three. That would be ridiculous if we don't. I feel like with wave two, they really stepped it up and everybody loved it that much more and then went back and tried to pick up wave one. It just makes sense that they would double down. Oh, and we need an updated um, Holocaust bath as well, because that figure is just falling apart. And I was talking to Jason Nerdalert and he had just gotten his from the, what was it? It was the Tigra series. I think it was a Walmart exclusive back in like 2006. Hmm. And he's telling like online, it's super hard to find a Holocaust where the hatch in the back isn't broken. Hmm. And mine is actually broken. I'm not going to take them out. So I have them together with like tape. All for the display. All for the display. Our next mutant uh, is Storm. How can one once worshipped as an African goddess concern herself with the fate of mere mortals? This one has ridden the winds and called down thunder and lightning to do her bidding. And yet now she hides amongst the rest of Magneto's outcasts. Is it her love for Quicksilver, Magneto's son, that continues to fuel her need to be pitted against me? How can she deny the truth, the truth that she has lived? We are the gods of this world and will ever be so. Um, and she's chosen. First of all, love the uh, like animated series style. like One who has ridden the winds and called down thunder. <laughs> exactly. Love it. Yes. Uh, Two, her love for Quicksilver. That's a lie. Nobody loves Quicksilver. (laughs) Ultimate Wanda does. (laughs) (laughs) I listen, I I think she deserves a Marvel Legends figure. Yeah. I that that's where I'm gonna I feel very strongly about that. And secondly, I had no clue she was in a relationship with Quicksilver. I have missed that in like the 20 years I have been reading Age of Apocalypse. Like that's news to me. So I blocked it from my memory. It's interesting too. Like y'all are saying she doesn't play a big role in this story, but it seems like apocalypse in his database is holding her in like really high regard. So the fact that as he should, that goes forward and it doesn't play out is kind of disappointing because you would think she would be a great match for apocalypse. Like if they had a one-on-one battle, well, and even just like if he was assembling like his horsemen and taking over like the world, he would be like, this is a literal goddess. She can control the weather. That is something that I can weaponize against humanity. Yeah, like right. Storm's power what? is very practical in that regard. Isn't that, is she used that way in the movies? Is she used uh, that way in the movies? Is she a horseman oh, in the movies? Oh, uh, yeah. It's a horse. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. I forgot. And then <laughs> I, I think you forgot in, about that in, in X-Men Apocalypse. Yeah. Hard but, to for- it's hard not to forget that movie. And Alexandra Ship was a good young storm, but like she didn't just have a whole lot. Like, stood there. Like yeah. it, even in Dark Phoenix, I was like, they need to lean into the fact that Jean and Storm are like sisters 
And that's the emotional beat with Storm, like how they did in the animated series. Mm-hmm. And and they just didn't. But yeah, she was a horseman <laughs> in yeah. in Apocalypse. I thought I thought Storm <laughs> in that movie and she just looked great, but again, didn't really have anything to do as a character. It was just she looks great, looks punk rock storm, but also like kind of a throwback to her days in Cairo, like melding those two versions of her, but then just storm is one of my biggest grievances with the movies, because when I came to the comics and I realized who storm was and all that there was to her, I was like, wait a second. I watched all the movies and I never got any of that. No, no, from them. So. Well, their greatest sin was literally when you meet Storm in X-Men Apocalypse and she has a photo of J-Law in her house. And she's like, that's my idol. I'm like, no, I'm sorry. Like, I understand within the context of the movie history where like J-Law's mystique was revolutionary. But Mm -hmm. I don't believe for a second Storm would be a fangirl. Like Storm is fucking regal. Right. Someone with that like that essence to be storm. And, you know, in fairness to Holly Berry, I think she did have it, but it was too much selling the idea of storm, you know, as Holly Berry mm-hmm. or Holly Berry as storm, excuse me, and not really focusing on the character first. Apparently a lot of her relationship with Quicksilver is in X-Men Chronicles and not in like the main age of apocalypse stuff. So it's just kind of like, Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> I, you know, X-Men Chronicles is definitely something I've only read like once, probably in like my entire uh, time as a fan. I don't know. There was something about it that I wasn't like wild about. I have to, I have to, again, like we'll read it obviously for the podcast, but I have to like, there was something about it that didn't really resonate with me. Wasn't it after the event? Like, didn't it come mixed timeline and essentially tried to explain like give you a little bit more of a, a jumping in point with the full story i don't even think i've ever read it i, I have the, the omnibus and the companion omnibus but wanda dies because holocaust like attacks the x-men that's the mm-hmm. only thing i remember i do not remember a relationship between storm and quicksilver and it was fine. I, you know, obviously Age of Apocalypse was super successful for Marvel and they wanted to continue that. And then obviously they would come back for Remenders, or excuse me, before Remender, they would come back for a 10, 10 year anniversary. And the Age of Apocalypse would be established as an alternate universe, no longer like the 616 timeline being rewritten. So whatever. Retcons. Retcons. Okay, next up is Quicksilver. Not even his mutant gift of speed will allow Magneto's firstborn to run from the past, which has hounded his family through the years. Though he does try, he races into battle as the ever-aggressive field leader of his father's rebel forces. Still, he cannot keep ahead of the haunting memories of his own past, his mother's death, his sister's murder, and the years spent in isolation for being what he is, a mutant. Yet he still finds the courage to love another. If the African goddess Storm were to perish in battle as well, would it slow his pace? The time will come when the sun will be called upon to make a choice. Will he blindly run down the path his deluded father has laid out before him? Or will he choose the course which leads to survival, which leads to me? He's chosen. (laughs) (laughs) Chosen. Yeah, good for Pietro being chosen. Yeah. yeah. Mm. 
Yeah. I mean, he's like the heir to the Magneto Empire. Like, okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, yeah. I, I, mean, I have nothing else to say. He's, he's less. He's less of a jerk in yeah. this reality. Yeah. All it took was the apocalypse and he, and his sister his, dying. And his right. sister dying. Well, you know, um, when your sister is the center point of your entire existence, and then she's not there anymore, you kind of have to figure out some stuff for yourself. He has no one to eat, pray, love. Right. Yeah. 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 No. Uh, poor, poor Crystal dodged a. That's the bullet here. So <laughs> okay, but have we spoken about how I love that in the Vision Scarlet Witch series, like Crystal has an affair with like their neighbor, and they're like, "Oh, Crystal must be under some sort of mind control." And she's like, "No, actually, no. I'm not. <laughs> like, like, no, I'm just having an affair. Period. Like, yeah. Pietro's a jerk. Yeah, P- Piet- Pietro and Crystal are that couple that everybody knows is like that is a horrible, horrible couple." And they're both just bad, and you don't understand why they are still together. And like, they will show up to your barbecue, and they will make a scene. They will. <laughs> oh my god! And then her, their, Luna would cry too, yeah. <laughs> like as they're fighting, and you have to like take care of poor Luna. You'd send Popo wow. to take care of Luna. So you know what? Good, good for good for this Pietro. He's for seems to have his shit together. Right. Looks very much like Magneto too, yeah. like visually. Oh, he does. They really did lean into that. You're right. Sidebar, like, it's weird to think that Rogue is his stepmom. (laughs) It's weird to think that. They're probably the same age or thereabouts. I think Rogue is supposed to be younger. He might actually be older than Rogue. But by, like, a couple of years, you know. But I think Rogue, the way I always took it, like, the... I know it's a sliding timeline, but I think the original X-Men I see in their like early to mid thirties. And then that next wave of X-Men I see in their like mid twenties. I'm forgetting was... where I saw something like that. Yeah. Cause I, I believe she was really young. She was like a teenager when she first joined the X-Men team. Yeah. She was much younger as a, as a young girl, like running away from mystique and everything. And um... mm. yeah. Interesting. All right. Next up we have North star and Aurora. These two siblings represent so much that is right with Homo Superior. With genetic gifts which are surpassed by few, they immediately rose to the top of the mutant elite. They carry out orders with an eager compliance and total dedication to my vision. And yet, they have become too taken with themselves and with their gifts. I see in them something more than self-assurance. I see a headiness which will only lead them to be two of the first to fall. Forgotten. Yeah. Oh, no. This, yeah. It's so funny because the beginning of this, Apocalypse loves them. You know, like they are awesome. They've got great power. They're super cool. But also, they really love themselves. Not like me, who has decided that I can determine who is the chosen and who is not. No, they are too big of an ego. Get out of here fine if i love you but if you love yourself you're done get out of here for for any any of our listeners reading along that is where uh the costume that my the design on our logo comes from it's north star and yeah i think it's it's funny that even in this alternate reality the twins are pretty self-centered uh they're so self-centered that uh even like you said an apocalyptic dictator is like you guys are a little too too much too focused on yourselves yeah. like where's where's the love for uh, other people i mean other notes you know north stars 
possibly the fastest person in the Marvel Universe. The hair, not aerodynamic. It's bad. That's a bad look. Um, but Aurora is mentally stable at this time, whereas in 616, she is not in this era. So good for her. Plus, yeah. she looks amazing. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I oh, mean, no notes. Pads. Flawless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No notes. That silhouette with those shoulder pads, flawless. I agree. Mm-hmm. She looks great. I love that I, I zoomed in to try to understand how are they holding hands? Like it's kind of like North Star it's is like, holding Aurora's clutched hand in his hand. He's holding her fist, <laughs> like cradling her fist. <laughs> I know. I'm trying. I'm trying to think like how. Like he's like that. Oh. Fine. um yeah uh i i i always joke i think it might be accurate i'm I'm like the only north star cosplayer and i think i'm going to give this look a pass um (laughs) it's it's a hard pass um but now now we come to paul's favorite hank mccoy once henry mccoy was a brilliant and depraved geneticist who insisted on experimenting on himself to accelerate his own mutations now he is one of the most useful and frustrating of Sinister's lot, but in him I see potential to exceed Sinister. To Sinister, science is an art, carefully planned out through the years. But to McCoy, playing with the genetic makeup of mutant and human alike is all game. He freely dips into the genetic soup within Sinister's pens and manipulates them to his own twisted vision of life. All is done with a distinct and admirable lack of morality or concern for the pain and suffering of his test subjects. He is both gifted and savage at the same time. Because of that, he may become a hindrance with his compulsion for perverting the genetic matrix. If only I could separate the brain from this man and utilize it to its fullest capacity. Perhaps I can. You know, I, Paul and I frequently, uh, Dayspring and I frequently, Paul and I frequently discuss, uh, call yourself whatever you want. Um, <laughs> frequently, frequently discuss um, how this is the only good version of Hank McCoy. I fucking and- love this version. In fact, we're not the only ones who love this version. Like even fucking Gene, Onslaught, Emma, when Dark Beast like swaps himself with Hank McCoy during the Onslaught era, everyone's like, yeah, that's fine. We don't like him. We don't like him. It's a fucking mess. I love Dark Beast so much. I love this version of of Hank McCoy. Yeah. And it seems like like Apocalypse likes him, but then he's forgotten. He's not a chosen. I know. I feel like is that like their clever way of trying to like, oh, you think we're gonna choose him, but no, they're forgotten. (laughs) It's like the those hosts on a reality competition is like, and you have done all of these things, and for that. You are forgotten. I'm sorry. Check your things and live. Yeah. Ronnie Lawler is like playing with our hearts right yeah. now. <laughs> like, Ronnie was like one head of one step ahead of the game. Yeah. I mean, listen, Dark Beast, I think when you think of Age of Apocalypse, hugely iconic to the story. I love that he crossed over. Wonderful, wonderful character. I I love this version of Beast because it leans into the character having no apologies for who he is. Yeah. He wants to be. He, he's so twisted with his genetic and like uh immune agenda that he's gonna do some shady shit and he owns it and i'm proud of that it just feels like he's not lying to himself like Mm. the beast of 616 is you know hey i have these ideas i embrace them i go with them we see where they take us and i'm not i'm not trying to hide it and during endangered species 
when yeah. our, our 616 Hank is trying to find a cure for, you know, the, the no, no, no more mutants spell, which by the way, he fails that miserably. They flash back to Dark Beast's like history in the Age of Apocalypse. And in them, he's like experimenting on all the Madri, like all the Jamie Madroxes, like just like saying like really mean shit, like, oh man, your mutant power, Jamie, allows me to perform endless experiments. And I'm like, you're so evil. I love that. Please yeah. and thank you. He he survives for I think he, he they killed him off in Rosenberg's run right before Krakoa started. So he's yeah. he's got some uh some longevity. So oh, and when he crosses over when he goes into the Emicron crystal, he comes to 616, but in the past and has some kind of relationship with Emma. I'm forgetting what it was. Emma. Yeah, Emma and Dark Beast have some kind of like history that's never been followed up on, but eh. yeah. But anyways, love, love, love Dark Beast. Yeah. Unanimous. Yeah. We all love him. He's we, chosen by us. He's Get chosen out of here, Apocalypse. <laughs> all right. Next up. The four horsemen, the vanguard of my army of tomorrow. These four preside over all that is presently under my dominion, and together help expurgate my empire of the genetic destitute. Each of these, the most powerful of the genetically gifted, believes I trust them over all others, but I do not. I seek only to use their great abilities to cultivate the power struggles which have arisen amongst them, to weed out the weak, even amongst the strongest, to have them deliver the final strike against the flat scans which scurry about this planet. A blow so decisive that the weak race which inhabits this planet will be no more. And from the ruins, we will rise and bring with us the genetically worthy, the survivors onward to the next step of evolution and a stronger world, a world ruled by me. The chosen, they're they're chosen. The four of them. I love Holocaust. I'm glad he has his own like single like panel here. I think great villain, very like him and Blink fighting in Astonishing X Men. Yeah, classic. Again, another hallmark of the character, or oh, excuse me, another hallmark of the of the of the crossover. I'm a big fan. Yeah, the rest of the Horsemen, I'm like indifferent to here. Like it's fine. Like a you know. I've always loved the design of Abyss. I just yeah. feel like just the look and, and ability of him really called out to me as something unique and different. Yeah. I love the moniker Vanguard of my army of tomorrow. Yeah. Like, I wish someone would describe me like that. <laughs> You're my <laughs> army of tomorrow. My Vanguard right. of tomorrow. Well, then again, we're, we're reading Apocalypse's private notes. No one is to see these notes. Okay. And you might think that I trust them over all others, but I do not, I dear do. diary. I don't trust them at all. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, at the end of a very long day of genocide, Apocalypse just goes into his chambers like, dear diary. Dearest diary. Dearest they diary. have been removed from the chosen and moved to the forgotten because Sinister's up to something. The chosen is actually Apocalypse's top eight from MySpace. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you it like shifts, you yeah. know? Are you nope. in the chosen or are you not? No longer, Scott. The horsemen changed during Age of Apocalypse too. Uh, yeah. and a bunch of them were replaced. So yeah, you know, no. 
no real notes on this this particular lineup. Sinister looks good. Holocaust looks good. Abyss looks very 90s in a very 90s way. I don't, I don't know how else to put that. But yep. They're fun. All right. Moving on to our next one, which is Excalibur. Cowards. Barely worth an entry in these archives. These craven group of mutants have become legends amongst the human survivors of the callings. Isolating themselves from the great conflict, they refuse to join neither my forces nor the rebellion against me. Instead, they operate the Inferno Gallop to the secret refuge they call Avalon. Here, they provide sanctuary for the flat scans and attempt to create community where humans and mutants can live in harmony. Blind fools and dreamers, one and all, the day is coming when they will learn that hiding is impossible. <laughs> forgotten. Shockingly forgotten. Forgotten. Um, you know, it, just, it just occurred to me, like, one, I'm saying this, the, the fact that he has an entry in these archives, these are his Xavier protocols. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that's what yeah. it is. I'm sorry. I know it's so obvious, but, like, I'm just making that connection right now. Um, I, listen, Excalibur, I remember being one of my favorite favorite Age Apocalypse books. I think it's such an epic story. It's mystique ushering people to Avalon. Destiny is there. And they obviously, Nightcrawler has to go in search of Destiny in order for them to enact their plan of resetting reality. So listen, love them. And for the folks at home, on this cover here, or in this image, it's Nightcrawler, Mystique, and Destiny. Yeah. And I'm a big, obviously big Nightcrawler fan. Uh, I love his look in Age of Apocalypse. Mm. Yes. And I don't know what it is about anything that's pirate themed at all, but Mystique's outfit, I just really like it. I don't know yeah. why. It is like kind of ridiculous. I don't know why she's only got one boot and the other one is just a regular pant leg. I don't know. But there's something about that top that I'm like, that's pretty, that's pretty interesting. He gets the buttons and the open collar. Well, could- she's got swag there. Sorry, I forgot you off. Yeah, no, it's good. She does. She just got the swag. And she's got her her skulls at her forehead, right? Her All of her skulls. It, it was only the one in 616, but no, no. Hard times. Can't be having those around my yeah. belt. Move them up to the brain so you see it. First look. <laughs> skulls those are all the babies that she threw off like a waterfall <laughs> remember this kurt <laughs> step against me and you added to the headband oh it's a headband it's a headband yeah. it's their fake head. skulls yeah oh get it yeah no i get it you now. guys get it yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> we get it that is hysterical like alicia you're on fire today <laughs> <laughs> so many um, jokes but you know what I like about this entry the best is that they actually do give some information here in, instead of very floral language that describes personalities. Like we get the idea of the great conflict, which yeah. is, you know, what's going on in what used to be North America and what, what, what's going on with the humans and them needing passage to somewhere that's sanctuary. So I like this. I think this particular entry gives a lot to the world building with Age of Apocalypse if you're paying attention to it. So I was yeah, totally. with it. Because you need that, right? You need to know who's on the other side. Um, on the other side? What's what's the deal with this one single rose growing here? It's like Beauty and the Beast. 
Oh, you know what? You know what I, I'm thinking here now that you said that? It's kind of like at the end of AVX where Hope is like, look at it. It's such a beautiful day. And then she flies off and then a single rose is sprouting that there's hope or like life after the mm. destruction. Ooh. I guess that's supposed to be that a, a rose can still grow amongst all this tragedy. Yeah. It's how I would take it, but yeah. maybe it's just. That's uh, beautiful. I love it. You're welcome. I give them out for free sometimes. <laughs> when I'm hungover. <laughs> when I'm hungover, I can be shockingly insightful. You should cosplay as Mystique. Me? Yeah. I think okay. that'd be cool. All right. Yeah. You I'm guys, I got a long list of cosplays and I not a lot of time. Put so it on the list. Gotta get Go working. The Do the demand a spreadsheet. Do a spreadsheet um, with all those looks. Yeah. I'm like, I, let me get my notebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I've done cosplay wise age of apocalypse well the the uncanny x-force age of apocalypse kurt eternally grateful that the only change they did in his makeup was give him the, the red eye tattoo it makes things super super simple um crimson dawn <laughs> crimson dawn i i love 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 this version of kurt because it is a really radical personality change where you know he's he's not pious he is not nice Probably raised by, I think he was raised by Mystique in this this reality, yet still inexplicably has a German accent. Not sure how that works. <laughs> and he's just like, he's a lot of fun in this this uh, this timeline. Well, for, two things that just came up. One, not, I didn't have Nightcrawler on our Age of Apocalypse Wave 3 he, list. He's definitely on the list. He has to be on it, because I agree, this is the best look. And secondly, yeah, he's not religious in this, but he believes in, right. in something. Else. And, and if I remember correctly, with Excalibur, the entire point of Avalon is faith that you will get there. And he has blind faith to go there. So, I, so yeah, I, he's not like the priest of 616, but you see those tendencies in him, which I really like. Mm. Destiny's mm. cool, too. <laughs> I feel like we've been like, yeah, Kurt, yeah, Mystique, yeah. But Destiny's well, all right. Yeah. Irene had plays such a big role in Legion Quest. And right. it's Scott and I have talked about this. Like, she has such a, even though she's technically dead, she plays such a big part in X-Men history, even before Hickman, because she comes back into Crocia, obviously. Legion Quest, he's having visions of her, and she's the one telling him to go back in time. Mm -hmm. And even in Age of Apocalypse, it's her who is like, only we can enter the crystal because we no longer have counterparts in this other reality. She's sort of guiding the entire process. Hmm. So I appreciate that quite a bit, you know, that Irene has such a big presence in the X-Books and Hickman was able to draw upon that in a very fun, compelling way. I also think just in general, this whole issue is really great to say, hey, we're going to give you this whole alternate reality that you're going to jump into that already exists. So we're going to give you a little bit of background information on how this whole thing is set up. Yeah. 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 And next is the human high council, the fittest that the soon to be forgotten race of genetically deficient beings has to offer presiding over the teeming masses of humanity that huddled together on the European continent. Each of these humans is survivors in his or her unlimited way. They toil on in vain, battling against the tide of my power, seeking to preserve the fate of their doomed civilization, seeking to give hope to the multitudes of genetic inferiors who trust them to keep them safe from my iron fist. But they hope and trust in vain, for even if these inferior beings were somehow to succeed, if they were able to destroy me, I would, 
through the vision I adhere to, be victorious. Apparently, Ronnie, Ronnie had some grammar issues there. There's, uh, there's a handful of those in here. Yeah. yeah. Like the um, wrong two. Or... So just just going, the, the ones who are pictured there, um, that's Emma Frost in the front. Uh, then Moira Trask in this reality. Um, all of our Trask behind her. Then Brian Braddock and Sue Storm. Um, excuse me? What do you mean Emma Frost is a human? Yeah, so I think in Age of Apocalypse, psychics were the first to go. And so Emma, I forgot, lobotomized herself or gets lobotomized. Yeah. I'm forgetting. So that's why she has like the scar on her head because she's been, her 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 powers have been removed. But yes, Miss Frost, oh my God, Alicia's face right now. Okay, so what about Rachel? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I forgot what I, I think she's one of the few that was able to to be saved because she was with Magneto. Oh, God. Yeah. So they're obviously I, the, uh, Apocalypse is the main antagonist, but they're responsible for the end of of like the world. I, I, well, the human high council bombing. At least yeah. Emma's still getting it, getting it. That's all I got to say. I mean, listen, yeah. she's she's flawless in here. Is that Sue Storm in the background or are you being funny? No, that that's that's uh, that's like the core of the Human High Council. Oh. Um, that's Sue, and that's Brian yeah. Braddock standing uh, menacingly in what I'm assuming. I think it's supposed to be the the Tower of London. That big thing. Yeah, but Sue, uh, F- Reed, Reed, and Johnny die in this reality fighting apocalypse, and Sue and Ben escape to London. Ben is unmutated though. I forgot about that. That did, definitely did not even like touch my memory. Yeah, it's the and Hulk. I, the Hulk is inexplicably called the Thing in the Age of Apocalypse. Oh, <laughs> you're right. That's what is that Universe X? I'm forgetting like the the title. Yeah. It is. Yeah, yeah, they 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 have like the non X Men characters book where they talk about like what happened to everyone else. I also get it confused with like Age of X, like yes. Mike Carey, where he had even his own you know, characters and what they were doing. Um, because of like when Apocalypse wakes up, the Reed, Reed's spaceship is still a prototype. So the Fantastic Four haven't become the Fantastic Four yet. And he's going to use the ship to escape the Earth with people. And then Apocalypse is just like, no, uh, screw okay. you. And yeah. <laughs> it's interesting so, to uh, think about Moira in retrospect now you know everything that we know about her 10 lives and her destruction of the trask line in that one life and and to see how her story changes because of this and and even you know the one life where she teams up with apocalypse Mm -hmm. yeah just cool to think of what led her in this direction in retrospect with the retcon being known now well, someone was, I forgot who posed a question. I don't know why I thought it was you guys, but like, does Moira remember the Age of Apocalypse? Mm. Someone, I, I forgot who asked that or someone has floated that question around of how like Moira's like powers work. Do they allow her to remember things like the Age of Apocalypse? I don't know. I don't. Well, did the Age of Apocalypse, didn't you say that got retconned to not be 616? Yeah, it's yeah. an alternate universe. So then she yeah. wouldn't. Re- I would think she wouldn't remember it because it yeah. wouldn't be in this universe. That's a yeah. conversation that we've been having. Is like, do her lives reset 
the 616 timeline or are they are each of her different lives a different universe and then life 10 is the 616 yeah that's a really I, did they answer that recently in 10 deaths and lives of wolverine i don't remember no, no. they might well, they she might. has her 11th life now she's a robot now yeah she... i've been loosely following 10 lives and deaths i'm just waiting for it to be done and i'll read it all oh dang so my big my big I have my one big theory coming up. Oh, well, Seth, I don't, girl, you know, I don't mind spoilers. Okay. In later appearances after the Edge of Apocalypse, they add a bunch of other members to make it less uh, just like five white guys. Like, I know uh, Marika Yoshida is put on the High Council and some other, other stuff. But yeah. Oh, and Doom. Doom's a member, but he's just like, it's just Dr. Doom. Like, there's no real difference. He's still Dr. Doom, basically. Dr. Doom. Yeah. Yeah. And they are forgotten. Forgotten. Bye. What about those suits? No. No? <laughs> Not having no. it? They're giving me very much like they really desperately would like to be in a like Jane Fonda workout video. <laughs> and, yes. But it's just not quite right for me. I'm not well, feeling it. Emma definitely has like VHSs of Jane Fonda's yeah. workout video. Like she saved those when the apocalypse happened. <laughs> you can take <laughs> one thing, Emma. Okay. Yeah. Like Jane, Jane Fonda, Fonda videos, darling. You, you got to lose part of your brain, but you can keep the workout tapes. <laughs> I think Emma would really appreciate Jane Fonda in this universe, given her tenacity and everything. Anyways, that's just, I'm a Jane Fonda stan. Love nice. it. Okay. You ready for the next? <clears throat> Weapon X and Rachel. <laughs> These two mutant lovers are loyal to no one but themselves. Rachel, an exquisite example of genetic perfection, was once a dutiful follower of Magneto's dream until she was abandoned in battle and fell into the hands of my own forces. She was well on the way to becoming one of the mutant ruling class when the man-beast Weapon X rebelled against Magneto's command decision, risked his own life and sacrificed a part of himself to rescue her from a situation that perhaps she did not wish to be rescued. Weapon X has allowed his savage nature to be lorded over by the passion he feels for this woman. Together, they see themselves as soulmates. They believe they need no one else to survive these tumultuous times. Only they are blind to the absurdity, the tragedy of their situation. Chosen. chosen. Listen, I apologize, Jean, but you just look exactly like Rachel. Like, it's just Rachel. Agreed. And you know what? It looks like they drew her with blue eyes and Jean has green eyes. So, (gasps) boom. So, it's Rachel. Rachel. So, it's Rachel. It's Rachel the whole time. Listen, I love, I mean, much like Cyclops, Wolverine has like one hand and like Cyclops has one eye. Like that's cute. Gene has a type. So, you know, (laughs) I'm here for it. I, I have nothing to say other than I enjoy this romance quite a bit. I don't like at the end, it's she's going to end up with Cyclops and, you know, they're going to lead the humans as like the high council is about to bomb everyone. But um, I think Weapon X was surprisingly a very fun book from what I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've never fully understood why he only has one hand just with like the regeneration angle. Um, Beyond that, 
all for it. This is great. How did great he lose his hand again? I'm sorry, cut you off. Um, his his hand thing? gets chopped off, and for some reason, he puts a adamantium cap on the stump, and it's just like you can just grow back the hands, right? Like, I don't want it back. Yeah. It's like, is the stump preventing it from growing back? Yes. He's well, being an- angsty. He's like, I'm not going to grow my hand back. He's emo in the age of apocalypse. He's using like, it like, all? look <laughs> at my sacrifice. I did this. But it, that's such a true point, Scott, because there, there is no reason for that. Because even in Weapon X, he gets like burned alive. And like his, even his hair grows back. You know what I mean? So why wouldn't his hand grow back? I, I Maybe they explain it somewhere. I don't know. I read, but... I think it was, uh, I'm trying to look it up quick, but it was an interview with Kubert, I believe Adam Kubert or Andy Kubert. I'm not, oh, I, I believe it was Andy Kubert where he created the, the visual design for Weapon X. And they just asked him, they, hey, we, we have this meeting. We need something we need something cool for Wolverine. Can you just draw something up real quick? And he just drew him with one hand and a stump and didn't really know anything going into that meeting. So they just kind of loved it. Like, all right, we just got to make this work. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, it could, maybe he, he lost his hand before his powers manifested in age of apocalypse. So wait, doesn't it say in here that he lost it? Hold on. Um, I think Cyclops blows it off. Oh, yeah, like, Cyclops. I, he risks his own life and sacrifice part of himself to rescue her from this situation. So, it fa- like that to me sounds like in the rescue of Jean is where he lost his hand. Oh, that's very fair. Yeah, and that's really symbolic. <laughs> I mean, that's a little on the nose with the symbolism. Is he he pokes out Cyclops's other his his eye? His Cyclops yeah. literally only has one eye in this. I think it's the same event i didn't know that i i mean i'm sure you know it's in the text but i completely forgot that too it was adam hubert adam hubert i said hubert hubert (laughs) whatever the other day i was like adam andy who like i'm like always forgetful on that um yeah no i mean listen let, let let's see how their story unfolds i'm a stan of this I, I love it. The art looks great. Let's see how it gets rendered. Yeah, I like yeah. it. Into it. All right. Next up, we have Gambit and the Externals. This man leads his own band of outsiders in pitiful raids against me and those loyal to my vision. They emerge from a network of tunnels beneath my own city to filch from those who thrive under my rule and turn the stolen goods over to the human canal. Gambit fancies himself the heroic outsider as he makes the humans believe they can triumph over the inevitable. He gives them faith in the underdog. Faith is a very dangerous thing. Gambit and his trope are more irritating than dangerous, barely worthy of my attentions, except for one, one whining jewel amongst this mutant rabble. Lila Cheney, <laughs> the mutant teleporter with power enough to transport me and my vision to the very stars. I will not allow a thief to keep this treasure from me. Forgotten! No one has ever said such nice things about Lila Cheney, so she should really yeah. frame this. Like, <laughs> I love Gambit and the Externals. I think it's a really great, fun book. I mean, that's 
let's see it in practice, like actually execute it. Um, but they are chat. They, they have to go after the Mkron crystal. They have to get a shard of it. And Lila is the one who teleports them. So I think it's a fun book. I'm excited actually to get to this book. This is probably like my most anticipated read for our, our reread, Scott. Um, this is actually my least favorite of the Age of Apocalypse <laughs> books, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to save most of that when we actually um, get to it. I mean, it's 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 fun. Like, all, all the Age of Apocalypse books are good. Uh, it's just probably my least favorite. Uh, Gambit is also not, like, overly changed from 616 Gambit. Uh, he smokes. He's... Steals. You know... <laughs> Is dirty. He's right. steals. Uh, I think Gambit's so hot in this title. Like, I really like. I had a crush on him back in the day. I mean, everyone has a crush on Gambit, don't they? <laughs> is that just me, or no, no, no? <laughs> just is like no, like even I do as well. Uh, that my first X Men cosplay, you know, Halloween was Gambit and Rogue. Yeah, yeah, years and years ago. You know, I really, I, I thought that they handled his romance with Rogue pretty well. Like him yeah. and Eric were best friends and then him and Rogue had a thing and then she obviously chose Magneto and it wasn't in your face. Like it still respects the new continuity they established with Rogue and Eric, but at the same time, they gave a homage to that. And I appreciated that. So I thought there was a lot of great like layers to their story and gambits. Yeah, and and this lineup is just from all over the place. Oh yeah, we got Lila Cheney, Jubilee, Sunspot. Gambit, Sunspot, and uh, Strong Guy. Yeah, just- Strong Guy just looks like he's wearing Cyclops' six one six outfit, yeah. <laughs> and he's got the spikes on the head, which yeah. he looks like one of those mutants from from Dark Victory or Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Oh. The- yeah, the, the, the Frank Miller mutants. The Frank Miller mutants. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way he looks like there. I, I appreciate that. I'm listen again. I'm sorry, Scott, that you don't you don't like this title, but we will argue about that when the time comes. Yeah. And next up is the is uh, Colossus. Um, Peter S. Putin has been one of Magneto's misguided filers since the early days of the mutant rebellion against my rule. First as a student at Magneto's now lifeless school on Wondagore Mountain. Then as a warrior slash hero who carried Magneto's message back to his own country. And now, along with his wife, Catherine Pride, he serves as the mentor to the new breed of mutant rebels. The years have taken a toll on the heart of this young mutant until it is hard as the organic steel which serves as his flesh. His family has been all but destroyed by the deaths of his parents and the betrayal of his brother, Mikhail, one of my own horsemen. Colossus's emotional attachment to his young charges is close to nil, which could be due to their inability to help him free his last living relative, his younger sister Ileana, from my breeding pens. He has developed the fatalist attitude of kill or be killed. How close his philosophy is to my own. I see hope in this one. And he is chosen. I love his story in Age of Apocalypse. I think he has a lot of meat and does a lot of shady shit that we'll get to when we get to his title. Yeah. 100%. And I love that again, Ileana in the comics at the time it's dead. So you know, what's at stake when he's going after her and especially in that finale with her and how heartbreaking it is for him. So I'm here for it. 
Yeah. Oh, Eliana. And for some reason, it works out between him and Kate, Catherine. Not so much in the 616. Sorry. Sorry. Apocalyptic world. I love them as a couple on Age of Apocalypse. In fact, I think I have them posed with with Kitty or Kate, Catherine on on Colossus. Yeah, me too. Oh my God, that's so funny. That's so funny. She's like climbing over his shoulder. Yeah. The claw popped. Yeah, I really, I truly, truly enjoyed their romance. I think that their title was absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I have no qualms. Okay, yep. ready for my ridiculous theory? Um, that's the only reason why we've been recording. So here's your ridiculous <laughs> okay. theories. Please continue. So, so this is a this is a lives and death Wolverine lives and death spoiler. So warning, your there's war. your warning. Okay, so Mikhail is sending Sabretooth back in time to Omega kill. Red. Um, my God, Omega Red back in time to kill Charles Xavier, right? So Charles Xavier doesn't exist and he died and before the Age of Apocalypse and that's how the Age of Apocalypse could be. So Mikhail is just like, I want Age of Apocalypse back. So that's why I'm doing it. So that's his whole ploy is just to get the Age of Apocalypse back. That's what Lives and Deaths of Wolverine is all about. And it's going to end with Age of Apocalypse coming back. I really hope you are right. I hope you are right because that sounds absolutely amazing. The only thing I will say is that like try to revisit the Age of Apocalypse since the Age of Apocalypse and it's not been the best. I mean, we'll give it to Remender. Obviously, like poor little baby Charles got eaten or stomped. I forgot what we said, but I would die if they did something like that. I feel like that's what's really lacking right now, by the way, in the X-Books. It's that like Hickman when he did Avengers ended with secret wars and like this big multiverse story. And I, I'm not seeing that happen anymore with, uh, with, with the X-Men. I was hoping that Moira's 11th life would be something like that. But now she's- it's, it's building a much, I feel like I see where it's going. It's just, it feels so much more of a longer game, right? Where we're going to have this intergalactic battle between you have the X-Men are essentially leveling up to get their own dominion of sorts to, to get their own planet set so that they can compete on a level that is at the intergalactic empire of Wakanda that, that is at the Shi'ar empire that can rebel against the phalanx incursion, you know, what's coming to the future. It's just, it just feels like it's so far from now and, yeah. and only little bits are teased here and there. Yeah. I like that. I'm all for it. I've always said I want World War X, but I'm happy with like, you know, Galactic War X or whatever, like just a major blowout where people are like enough of this Krakow bullshit. We're all going to war with this country because why establish like a country for the X-Men if it's not going to be like war or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. It's just I mean, I definitely think it's on its way there. And it's I just think- a long it's a long road. Yeah. All it's right. Us. Next oh, up. That's us. It's us. It's Angel. OK, I'll go first. The time is coming when this one will come down from his lofty perch. Even a mutant blessed with the gift of flight cannot remain aloft forever. How long does he think I can turn a blind eye to the business conducted at his establishment? Mutant and human mingle side by side. (laughs) Rebels and traitors imbibe his liquor. I am not receiving just compensation from this one. And yet... How can I deny that this Alpha is a true savior? Come what may, I believe that Mr. Warren Worthington III will rise to the top of whatever heap he is thrown into. 
He's chosen. Love letters from Apocalypse. So I'm sorry, like he wants a cut of like heaven's business. Is that what he's saying? Like he's not getting proper compensation. Like basically, this is my city. He ain't paying his taxes, right. Warren. Fuck, also, get them he's back letting the humans enjoy and he should not be. No. It's yeah. funny because then, this is like the complete opposite, right? Where we're saying like some of them, the apocalypse in his little diary is like talking them up and then they're like forgotten. And this one, he's like, trash talking angel and he's like but he's chosen but he's chosen he'll rise up he's in my top eight (laughs) i I also got like a weird like like pro he's like rebels and traitors imbibe his liquor like very judgmental like uh, i didn't realize apocalypse was very strongly against drinking yeah (laughs) yeah he looks like he has like a whiskey on the rocks at the end of a good day of genocide he's just like oh well, he also probably claims to have invented like whiskey. Just you know, <laughs> there's nobody to contradict him. For, I mean, Celine's Celine's really the only one who can contradict him with most of the stuff, and I don't remember where she is in the Age of Apocalypse. I don't. He's I burned don't. the history books and just rewritten them, putting himself at the top. I like to think he's chosen as a nod to their relationship in six one six, and that's like a little nod that, of course, Apocalypse would choose choose Angel. Anything else on him? Probably the only time anybody's ever called Angel slash Warren Worthington the third and Alpha. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, you're actually probably right. Yeah. I don't like his little rat tail. Yeah. Well, it's not um, little. It's very long. Yeah, that's like <laughs> Fabian Cortez long. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have Sabretooth and Wild Child. Two mindless savages who have found comfort in the company of each other. The tearing of flesh and the gnawing of bone. These things fill their dreams. Sabretooth was once one of mine. He served as a willingly as he does Magneto. Then, in a moment of compassion for the humans, he betrayed me. Then he had the audacity to crawl to me, bloody and broken, and ask for my helping and forgiving hand. The years have proven Creed a survivor. Today, he fights in the name of Magneto's rebellion and protects the human cattle he once would have willingly slaughtered in my name. I must wonder, in his once fearsome bloodlust has been dulled by the symbolic, symbiotic, excuse me, symbiotic bond he has formed with one, the one called Wild Child. Still, though he has taken up the cause of the rebels, Creed, like all others, will learn that there is only one true tenant. Only the fittest will survive. The day is coming when I will welcome Sabretooth back to my fold. Chosen. Yeah, I mean, listen, Sabretooth and Wild Child, I, I, I dig them here. I think they're, they're more style than substance, but Creed has a good relationship with Blink, who is not in this issue, and that's yeah, very not. Like, what the fuck? What? We're Blink and Morph in this. These are two prominent characters in your crossover. Morph! So, you know, I like the Creed and Blink relationship. Uh, you know, Wild Child, I don't have much of an opinion on him other than I guess he dated Aurora once in 616 and then Zeb Wells did some good work on him during yeah. Hellions. Yeah. They're a fun little duo. Isn't he? He's tied in sometimes to like the Romulus 
yep. stuff with Wolverine. This is before they've established a lot of Wild Child's backstory. And it, they kind of give off like a father and son sort of vibe in <laughs> the Age of Apocalypse. Um, but yeah, I, I have no real strong notes on on either of these characters. Seeing uh, Sabretooth, it was the first time that I knew or found out that it was Sabre Tooth versus Saber Tooth, which I guess I had been spelling wrong ever since before that. Uh, Sabre. Sabre oh Tooth. Sabre Tooth. <laughs> which, you know, it's cool. I, I love the matching collars and how that pays the respect to Magneto's collar. As well, it seems like Magneto's a very ownership. Yeah, you know, it's hey, you're of me. Wear the collar. Rogues got one. Y'all got one. We're good. They all go to the salon and then they go shopping afterwards yeah. for these like BDSM collars. Yeah. And Sabre Tooth is like, I need change for Wild Child. <laughs> I'm the leader of this wolf pack. <laughs> it's they. I, I like that symbiotic relationship. I think it's a hallmark of Age of Apocalypse. I've never questioned it. I like it. When we got uh, Wild Child in the wave one of of Marvel Legends of Apocalypse, like I was like, where the fuck is Saber Two? Right, and everybody knew you had to. Yeah, he even has like a little spot to clip the collar uh, to clip the chain to him. So it's like, okay, Shut you're not going to do I that. I didn't know that. I didn't know there was really. There's like a clip in the. Yeah, I've just been aligning them together. Look, holy fuck, you're right. You can. You have it. just blown my mind. I did not even notice. Okay, I know what I'm doing after this. <laughs> Completing go. my set. Thank yeah, you. Uh, that that is how you spell saber in um, like British English. Ah. Yeah. So and he is a Claremont creation. So I think that's just Claremont. Claremont and nobody like, correcting Claremont. It's like things. theater, yeah. like theater when theater is spelled with the R E instead of E R. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest with you. I never noticed the spelling till till now. So, mm. and next we come to Bishop Madman, or truly a mutant who has become unstuck in time. A man of mystery who upsets all the players and pawns, which I have carefully maneuvered on my chessboard. He claims to be from another world, a timeline like our own, but one in which the man called Charles Xavier lived instead of perished. Now he seeks to change the past and disrupt the now. His is a world I would know, for if his words are true, I am victorious in all futures. Only the timing is different. And time is something I can always spare. And he is chosen. Chosen. One thing I don't understand, at the end of Legion Quest, Bishop is the one who survives. You know, he's the sole survivor of the original timeline. But in theory, he wouldn't be because his timeline or potential future would have been erased, uh, you know, according to that. But I guess he comes from an alternate future. So yeah. that somehow, why doesn't Cable survive that? You know, I don't, I don't get it. I, I thought it was, don't, don't they give some bullshit, like start a uh, sci-fi explanation that it's like his chronal displacement or whatever. There's something at the end of Legion Quest to just like explain how Bishop... Sure, sure, sure. But sure. Yeah. Because it's time traveling. Then everybody can make their own rules. But we but, need yeah. someone. But can't, can't Rachel and Cable, Cable, who has latent like time traveling powers, like right. wouldn't that make him 
a candidate to survive like reality being warped and rewritten? I don't know. Well, they wanted to have Nate Gray exist, so they couldn't have cable. You know what? Yeah. Thank you. Exactly. I'm not going to question them now anymore. So, Thank so, you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, with, with all, the, all, all the time travel stuff with Age of Apocalypse and time travel and screwing up the timelines, I just like, I, I know it doesn't happen, but there is like a part of me that just keeps waiting for like Kang, the Conqueror, to show up and just be like, what the fuck are you people doing? Like, <laughs> what is going on? The TVA is coming for them. This is my thing and you're ruining it. I, I like Bishop uh, in the role that he's in, especially in the beginning where he has the memories of the 616 and, and just it really elevates his importance in this I agree. I think this just adds to like really great storytelling that Bishop has. He obviously came back for the X Trader, which is an iconic X-Men story. And now he was the sole survivor of 616. I can't remember. I think there is a moment in Onslaught where he picks, where Onslaught picks up Bishop and he's here like, you survived this so-called age of apocalypse. So I like that Bishop is the linking factor. and, And for me, that's very iconic storytelling for him. Yeah. All right. Anything else All to say right. on Bishop? Dun, dun, dun. Oh, Bishop is another one we need for Marvel Legends. Yeah. Yeah. We need but a way we, But art. we need to alter this f- fluffy frill that is the top which, of his costume. Which is not what he looks like in the comic, I don't think. He's got like more of a, like a green hood. Like yeah. Shawl cloaky business. Really? Yeah. Anyway, moving on to my least favorite character of all time, Charles Xavier. Charles Xavier. It is a misnomer to classify this one as forgotten. A man who lived and dreamed a life of peace. A powerful mutant who died before his powers or his dreams could be realized. Dreams of a world in which mutant and human could live in harmony. Wait, what? Why is it that death was not the end of this one? He was unfit to survive in my new world order and should be forgotten. Instead, the dreams of this dead man have given rise to the mutant rebellion I must face every day. How differently would things have turned out had this one lived? I can only wonder. Forgotten. Bye. Forgotten. Bye, Felicia. Or bye, bye Alicia. <laughs> um, Just like, come on. Yeah, I mean, this is so this is, you know, Xavier who died in Legion Quest. I don't I I don't really have a strong opinion on him. I didn't think he was that memorable. I don't know. What do you think, Scott? The Legion Quest, Charles, I mean, it's it's not very, very memorable. I mean, he makes he was kind of a douche in there. Like he yeah. wanted to pick fights. He was he's, being he's shown. Always, he's always a douche. Though. Yeah, right. exactly. you're right. I'm sorry. Full display. 100% but, accurate. But like he, like, I think what they were trying to show in Legion Cross, the way I sort of interpreted the, the, the material was that Magneto was more like Xavier and Xavier was more like Magneto. And then they would grow obviously to be who they eventually become. And I don't know, like, I, I love that the story is that, Xavier like sacrifices himself for Magneto and Magneto takes on that cause and rises, you know, to being the leader of the X-Men. But I don't think like Apocalypse would have him in an entry. Like, I don't know. Just yeah. Why is he there. in this like, book? Like yeah, the, yeah. he he's dead. He yeah. we you if you read Legion Quest, you know, he's dead and you know what's going on. This just proves my point of how like every I don't know. People are so obsessed with Charles Xavier, but we don't need him. 
Yeah. No, you're absolutely yeah. right. I agree. I mean, look, sorry, I think Eric, Eric and Emma are wonderful stand-ins for like a mutant cons. And the older I've gotten, the more I realized that Magneto was right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And literally had the best approach. Like Xavier was like, no, no, no. Here, here's a, here is like an image inducer hologram. So you don't have to look that way. Or here's like a mask for you, Hank. So you can go to Jean Grey's funeral and not freak anyone out. Like I really, Xavier's like idea is just very problematic in my opinion, but. Xavier is very problematic. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, So that's it. That's the chosen. It, ends with the Madri being chosen and they're all happy and they rejoice saying that they're, or this one in particular is going to be serving Apocalypse, but Apocalypse has been like looming in the shadows this entire time and says, no, you're actually not chosen because it's only my hand that determines who's chosen. You've read my diary. You've read my diary. Bye. And, (laughs) And that's it. The issue ends and thus begins the age of Apocalypse. Overall thoughts on this on, on the introduction to the age of apocalypse i like this oh. I, I felt like i was reading trading cards mm. and yeah. i loved trading cards as a kid and just getting those bios it was really honestly a gateway into the deeper stories of the comics was just getting these little snapshots of like okay how do these connect and interact and play off of each other and uh this felt like I, and i was looking at the publication and i did this come out after x-men alpha like did it come out after X-Men? I don't know. Yeah, I think it didn't. Just I based on it. like the the cover and, and publication dates. So it's like we threw you in and then we're like, okay, here's a little bit of context yeah. after the fact. I'm always confused by like pub dates because they once once upon a time they used to, if something published in December, they had the pub date as like March. Remember, like so they could appear timely. Mm-hmm. They used to pull that shit. So I'm always so someone was like, oh, this is actually an anniversary for this issue. And I was like, I don't know. It said it said February on the cover. So I took it. But it would have been two months before. I don't know how it works. I'm sure I'm sure like this probably did come out after the fact. Well, it's just interesting to like give you that context after. Mm. And and I think if if I had read this before I had started the Age of Apocalypse, probably would have been an easier. Okay, I understand. Like navigating this. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. I, I I have to. I, I'm going to agree. It, it just pump you for the age of apocalypse. I mean, listen, we can like tear it apart and like all that fun stuff because we have to We're on a podcast. But like, <laughs> honestly, just sitting down and reading this, I was just I had fun just mm. doing that. And and that's what I, I see a large part of age of apocalypse being just a very fun event. Mm. It is very 90s. Uh, <laughs> there's there's a lot of the 90s in this uh for good and bad and um i am excited to see the rest of our extreme journey as we (laughs) we go through this ex-wife tell us what do you guys have coming up where can folks connect with you i mean anyone who listens to this knows where to find you we're such (laughs) huge fanboys of yours but do you have any any exciting projects any anything you can tease us with you sir got anything uh nothing confirmed just yet we do we are in talks about having something relative to a current book in the next week or two. Oh yeah an um, interview of sorts but <gasps> but that's still still uh negotiating when but i'm i'm excited we're, we're continuing to talk about the current books and and diving in on 
the the weeklies, the monthlies, uh, however you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alicia is on board, fully committed. You know, she actually has a habit of when she reads her comics and she loves it. I've more and more wanted to be there as she's reading it <laughs> just so I can hear and, and listen to her ridiculous reactions as she's live reading them. Yeah, I don't react in my head. I react verbally out loud, Always. even if I'm alone. So sometimes I'll be reading and Justin will just be like, come sit closer to me just to hear <laughs> and see where I'm at in the books. But yeah, I mean, we're keep we're keeping on with what we've been doing. Hopefully we'll get into some more of the ex-ed stuff. And, you know, just in case for some reason you don't know, you can find us um, on the internet at the ex-wife podcast. It's T-H-E-X-W-I-F-E as in X-Men, not former wife. I love the story of your family finding out that your podcast is called the ex-wife my mom, my mom still, still hates upset. it yeah. she still hates the name but like why like i like that you're doing it but why does it have to be called that why? it's why? a thing mom it's an x-men thing you wouldn't get it it makes sense it makes sense i well, made a list while we were here of my cosplays that i have that i my dream cosplay list oh so i'm gonna read them to you and then you tell me if you want me to add any okay Okay, let's hear it. So Kitty Pride, the mm-hmm. standard like black and yellow, and then Excalibur Kitty. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. You you have to do that, Excalibur Kitty. 100 yeah. percent Rogue, Savage Land Rogue, and Age of Apocalypse Rogue. 100 percent And then yeah. I added Age of Apocalypse Mystique, and I'm currently working on magic right now. Oh so. my god, you would be such a great magic. I feel like you also have to throw in Age of Apocalypse Kitty. Oh, you're right. You're right. Because you have. I need need all the versions. Yeah. I feel like Kate is like your your cosplay. I agree. You know, like that's your like you own that character. And the Pat Loika edits are. Oh, my God. They're so good. good. I love Pat so much. I make them like my phone background and I just stare at myself and the images that he creates of me. (laughs) Well, Michelle was telling us that like she like that's not even her leg. In the latest image that he did with Generation X, like he redraws some of those like oh yeah, edits. he's so he's talented, and like yeah. the the colors he does, like I I I love everything Pat does. He's such a great person. Yeah, he's and fantastic. Krakoan exports his podcast so much fun. Yeah, such a fun podcast. All around great dude. Great dude. Well, thanks, Sugar. The Age of Apocalypse is now over, and we'll see you next time.